You are listening to a Bible-based message from River Rock Church in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. We invite you to join us Sundays at 10 a.m. at 330 South Market Street. We also encourage you to visit riverrockchurch.com for more information and resources. Now here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. Tape them together and, and put them up. So share the hope. Share the hope cards. So, all right. Well, I'm going to do an upside-down sermon today. So I'm going to use... Just the scripture first, and then I've got two really helpful video illustrations. Then I have a personal story. So instead of introducing it with a personal story, I'm going to go do the upside down thing. I'm nervous because I have way too much material for too many verses for this amount of time. So I thought maybe I would read the verses and then talk about that, and then we would focus on the most important thing, and that's that we don't want to be legalistic Christians. And maybe you don't even know what that is, so we're going to talk about that today. But basically what it is, is it's people that live by a list of rules in order to try to make themselves right with God. So they see a list of all these things that you should do to be a good Christian and things that you shouldn't do, and they come up with their list, and then they try to evaluate and enforce that list upon others. So it is more divisive than it is helpful It's good to have spiritual disciplines, it's good to have goals, but when you flip it around to you are trying to make yourself right with God because you're living this list, then it's not about Jesus, it's all about you, and that's totally not what we're instructed to do when it comes to Scripture. So we're going to look at Colossians 2, verses 8 to 23. So Colossians 2, 8 to 23, you can use your uh, paper Bible, phone Bible, uh, tablet Bible, or you can just listen. So, all right, here we go. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body so that you are complete through your union with Christ who is the head over every ruler and authority. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision by cutting away your sinful nature, verse 12. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon, new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. And I'm on verse 18. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud, and they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. Turn the page. Verse 20. You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, highest self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. So that is the scripture passage. I know it was 
long, but it's good. And I'm trying to go through the book of Colossians, so we're covering every verse as we roll through, and sometimes we get two verses, and sometimes we get a lot more. But set free from legalism to live fully in Christ. When I first thought about this, I came up with the dangers of legalism, and then I tried to make an outline, and it was so negative. It was like, legalism's bad because of this and that, and it didn't focus on Christ and freedom. So I even have a freedom shirt on today. So for freedom, Christ set us free, Galatians 5.1. So we want to focus not on, you know, legalism, like it's just a theological list, but we want to focus on who we are in Christ, on how Christ sets us free and how we can set other people free. Number one, set free from the noise to be complete in Christ. The noise around us, the noise of false teachers, the noise of uh, the world's philosophy, the noise of uh, religions that tell us that we have to do these things and these things and not do these things and not dress this way and to dress this way and to, to live this list. And they constantly come at you and tell you all these things and you are set free in Christ to be free from the noise and be complete in Christ. So Paul was addressing the church at Colossae, and he was letting them know that these false teachers coming along saying, Christ isn't enough. You need to have visions of angels and all these other things. And Paul is like, no, Christ is enough. And you don't need to do that list. You don't need to do all those things. You don't work your way into a right relationship with God. You come to Christ, and then the Lord starts to change you. So don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense. We do all that we can to live rightly for the Lord, but we know that we're made right in the Lord because we placed our faith in Him and He's forgiven us of our sins. And that changes us and makes us into the people He created us to be. As a matter of fact, you can't live the Christian life if you're not in a right relationship with Christ. You need to have the Holy Spirit to help you. It's actually impossible to live the Christian life on your own. Philippians 4.8 says that we should fix our thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about such things that are excellent and worthy of praise. And we find that in Scripture. Uh, we find in the Old Testament there are a lot of rules, the law, to, that the Old Testament believers tried to follow. Uh, when Christ came, we were set free from the law. That doesn't mean we throw everything out, but our focus is on doing the Lord's will and following after Him. So we need to be set free from that noise. We need to focus on what is true and what the Lord wants us to follow as Christians. And there's much freedom in that. There's a lot of freedom in the way that we live our Christian lives. It's not about doing all this stuff to be made right with God. It's about living in Christ, being empowered to do the right stuff, set free. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God and we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Or in another translation, it says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So in your thought life, you try to filter out the things that are false, the things that are lies, the things that are untrue, and you try to address that and answer that with Scripture. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 says we're not to be conformed to the world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. And we take those bad thoughts and we replace them with Scripture. We replace them with what God's Word truly says. And so we destroy those proud obstacles that keep people from knowing God. Uh, We capture their rebellious. Sometimes it's not great to be drawn into an argument, and other times it's helpful. So I'm not really sure if getting into a Facebook argument with somebody on the other side of the world is really going to be all that helpful. But if your, your kid, your neighbor, your coworker, or whatever has some fake ideas about God or some false 
teaching needs to be addressed or whatever, I think it would be good to prayerfully wrestle with that and lovingly address that and use the Bible to help get that in line. But we're set free from all the noise to be complete in Christ. Sometimes the noise comes from people trying to teach you to do things that are beyond what Christ wants you to do, beyond what the Bible says. And sometimes it's the inner voice inside your head that tells you that, that you're not worthy, that you're not doing enough, that uh, you know, you're failing at this, so therefore Christ doesn't love you, doesn't care for you. Um, that type of inner voice. Sometimes, sometimes it's uh, Satan or demons trying to pull you down and destroy you. Sometimes, I don't know if, he can, if they can speak at like some kind of sound wave that we can't, we can't totally comprehend or, or totally know that's there, but there's been a lot of times when I've been tempted or I have an inner voice inside my head that tears me down or wants me, tells me I should quit or I should give up, and it's just uh, you know, self-destructive things sometimes, and you know it's not of God, and I'm pretty sure I'm not just making it up in my head, but set free from the noise. We can answer that and say, that's not true. This is what Christ says. Uh, this isn't true. I know this is the way that I need to live, and I know that I'm forgiven, and I know that I'm not perfect, but God can still use me even when I'm not perfect, set free from the noise. Number two, set free from sin to live a new life in Christ. Set free from sin to live a new life in Christ. So this whole circumcision thing back in the days of Abraham was a real physical deal where they cut the foreskin off the penis. And um, So if you do that today for your kids, you talk to your doctor, see if it's a good idea. A lot of doctors say it's a great health thing, a good thing to do when God suggested it. For his people, he really knew what he was talking about, so it's a good thing. But uh, if you're not there, you don't need to do that to be made right with Christ. But So here Paul is talking about a spiritual circumcision, cutting away the sinful nature of your life so that you can live a life, a new life in Christ. And then he also talks about baptism. And so since he's talking about spiritual circumcision, he's probably already talking about spiritual baptism, like Romans chapter 6. And you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God. So when, who raised Christ from the dead? But we are baptized because Jesus told us to be baptized. He told us to make disciples, literally baptizing them by immersion, by water. And if you want to be baptized, we have one person that wants to be baptized right now. And we would like more people to be baptized. So let me know if you want believers' baptism, and we'll have a baptism service coming up soon. But we're set free from that sinful nature. We're set free when we didn't know Christ, when we were caught in sin and unforgiven. By default, we sinned. We did sinful things. That's just what we did. And then when Christ died on the cross and we received Christ as our Savior, then our sinful nature then was taken care of, and we are free to live a new life in Christ. We're no longer in bonds to sin. We're no longer uh, stuck in that right. But we have a chance, a choice to say no to temptation, a choice to follow after the Lord, a choice to step out in faith. We are set free from sin to live a new life in Christ. Which means that if we are trying to share our faith with people that aren't in Christ, we can't expect them to live the Christian life. So don't expect them to not use words that we wouldn't use. Don't expect them to not tell jokes that we wouldn't tell them or tell. Uh, don't expect them to have a philosophy that's, that's moral or upright or whatever because they're not there. The number one priority is that they need Jesus. And when they come to Jesus, then they can start to have their mind renewed and they can start to uh, have the Holy Spirit work on their heart and they can start to live more of a Christian life in, in the way that, that we would. And hopefully our beliefs are based on what we believe in Scripture and what we've learned, not based on some man-made list somebody gave us. But we are set free 
from sin to live a new life in Christ. Romans 2.29 again. Uh, no, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God and, who, and true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by God's Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks, to pray, seeks praise from God, not from people. So to have that sinful nature cut away, to be able to live free in Christ, to be able to live free from sin. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that because you're a Christian that you're going to be perfectly sinless. Uh, that would be great if you were, but in the number of temptations and pride and inner thoughts and all the things that go on, we constantly seem to fall into sin as Christians, and we should confess that and try not to fall into those sins again. Jesus died for the sins of the past, the sins of today, and the sins we're going to commit tomorrow. So that's not really a license to just go sin and do whatever and say, oh, I'm forgiven, but it is good to know that you don't have to fall into that temptation, that there's no temptation that sees you except what's common to man, and God is faithful that when you're tempted, he will provide a way out. And what happens when you take that way out is that God is glorified. So if you're seeking praise from God, not from people, if you want God to be pleased with your choices and choose to do the right things, say no to that temptation and pursue God, and you will experience great joy from that. Number three, set free from your past to live in Christ's forgiveness. So God had a list in the Old Testament, the law, that listed all the things that we should do to be, right, be made right with God. And Colossians 2.13, you're dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ and forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. So that accuser, Satan, is the one who tempts us. And then he comes along and he accuses us and tells us we're unworthy, we're no good, we should just give up, we should quit, we can't serve God now because we made this little mistake or we fell into that sin or he knows the sins that we did in the past. And in Christ, that is erased, taken care of, nailed to the cross. It says in this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities and shamed them publicly by his victory. So, Whatever the, whatever the devil, whatever Satan has to accuse you with, you can tell him that you put your faith in Jesus Christ. He's forgiven you. That's forgiven. That's taken care of. Yes, you did it, but it's gone. And God's not going to hold it against you because of what Jesus did. And it sets you free from your past to live in Christ's forgiveness. And there are so many people that are going around with a ball and chain of their past thinking, this is what I did, and it was a long time ago, or this is what I did recently, and now my life is ruined, and I can't live for God, and I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. But we can in Christ. And if Christ can forgive your past, he can also forgive the past of the people that you're trying to reach. What a great thing to know that you're forgiven of the past. No wonder, no matter what it is, set free from your past to live in Christ's forgiveness. Number four, set free from legalism to live in Christ's grace. Set free from legalism. Like I said in the beginning, legalism is living a list, trying to do all these things to make yourself right with God. Legalism is uh, seeing all these religious things and then trying to do them all, taking great pride when you do them, telling everybody else that they need to live the list or they're not Christians, and thinking that uh, you've really got it together. God is really pleased with you because you live the list and do everything, quote, perfectly. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or not celebrating certain holy days or new moon celebrations or Sabbaths. You know, today is actually the Lord's Day. It's not the official Sabbath. That was yesterday. So we live in grace. We have great opportunities to serve the Lord. We have much freedom. Um, don't let anyone condemn you for all of these things listed here. And 
legalism. We don't want to live a legalistic life. We don't want to judge people based on what they do or what they don't do uh, for issues of preference and things like that. So let's, let's pick on a couple, okay? Um, one issue might be dress, okay? So um, super spiritual pastors wear suits or robes, I guess, but we set up here and want to set a culture tone that says, you don't have to dress up to come to church. Just come to church, worship, and then go out and do whatever you're going to do. So I wear jeans. I don't have an official clergy robe, and I only wear suits to weddings and funerals, basically. It'd be really hard to set up, tear down, and do everything in a suit. And actually, most pastors, like us, aren't wearing suits right now. So uh, that's one issue. Another one is smoking. Okay, so smoking's really expensive, and um, it's addictive, and it's not good, but we should never dismiss anyone and say, you can't be a Christian because you smoke. Obviously, you know, Christians don't smoke, so uh, that's not in the Bible. And if you're going to say your body's the temple of, a whole, of the Holy Spirit, and you're just going to pick on smoking, it's like, whoa, you better back it up and say, okay, wait a second, I might be smoking, but you're eating a ton of sugar, or you're overeating, or you're overweight, or you're using caffeine, or you're using other drugs, or you're doing this too much, or you're watching TV, or you're watching movies, and you know, you can just say your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit, that can cover a whole lot of stuff. So don't dismiss people for stuff that's not in the Bible. Don't dismiss things for um, personal preference. Don't dismiss things because someone has a little different style of worship or, uh, you know, all these things that we can talk about. Uh, For me, a long time ago, it used to be hair length. Now that's not really an issue. But anyway, so don't judge people on things that aren't in the Bible. And whatever they're doing that they shouldn't be doing, let them know through Scripture. Encourage them. Uh, show them a lifeline. Don't expect them to live the Christian life if they're not Christians. Uh, you're not the police. You know, you're not the word police. You're not the profanity police. You're not the whatever. I won't let you smoke in my car, and if God is laying on your heart to give up smoking, I think it's awesome. Matter of fact, if you just think about how much money you would save if you'd stop smoking, and then think about what you could buy with that, you could probably you know, afford a car payment. Oh, wait, some Christians don't believe in loans. Anyway, legalism. All right, James 2.10 says, The person who keeps all of the laws except one is as guilty as a person who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder. So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you've, also, you've still broken the law. So whatever you say or whatever you do, remember that you will be judged by the law that sets you free. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. When God judges you, hopefully he'll look at you and say, Jesus Christ covered it all through his mercy and his grace. You're taken care of. And hopefully when we're out there trying to share Christ with people, we're handing them hope, hope, hope cards or giving them Bibles, we're not out there condemning them, saying, you wicked, dirty, stinking sinner, have a Bible. You really need to change. And I'm here to help clean up this, this community. So instead, man, Christ loves you. And I was a dirty, wicked sinner, and Christ changed my life. And like one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread, we need to share Christ with those people and show them love and mercy, and there is great reward for that. So uh, Jesus himself reminded us that all of the law that God gave to Moses could be summed up into one concise principle, to love God with all the heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourselves in Matthew 22. God's word teaches plainly that all have sinned and stand condemned before God in Romans 3 and 6. No one but Jesus Christ has ever fully obeyed the law of God, He who knew no sin became sin for us in Isaiah 53 and 2 Corinthians 5. And Christ's sacrifice on the cross has redeemed us from the curse 
of the law for all who trust in him by faith in Galatians 3. So believers have been justified, declared righteous by his grace, Romans 3, and are no longer under condemnation, Romans 8. It's an interesting passage. You have Romans 7, where Paul talks about how he just can't seem to do the right thing and how it's, life's all upside down. And then it says, therefore, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 9 says, all who have trusted Christ have received the Holy Spirit. So you receive the Holy Spirit, but you need to yield to the Holy Spirit. You need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, so that's a great thing to study too, the Holy Spirit. And it is his power in us that gives us the ability to please God, Galatians 5. So Christ's perfect sacrifice brings release from the eternal death sentence that the law brings upon all sinners, and it gives believers the ability to please God as we put off the works of the flesh, Colossians 3, and then put on love and walk in the Spirit day by day. It's by the Spirit's filling and control that we can walk in love and please our Heavenly Father. So I just totally ripped that off from gotquestions.org, but it was a great summary, and I wanted to cover that because I don't want you to just think you're free to do whatever you want because, you know, God just is this benevolent grandpa that says, I don't care what you do. God does care what you do, but you trying to make yourself right with God is never going to work. There's absolutely no way you can do it. And if you're going to run around and be prideful about it, that's not going to work either. Set free from evil and entrapping rules to live freely in Christ. Number five, set free from evil and entrapping rules to live freely in Christ. So you've died with Christ. He set you free from the spiritual power of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of this world, such as don't handle, don't touch, don't taste? Such rules are human teachings. So um, we put rules on people sometimes, and it can be destructive. And there's people out there that do things that I don't necessarily agree with, uh, things that I don't particularly like. So I asked if I could share this real quick, but Zach here is a paramedic and he lives across the street from me. So I hope that someday if I drop, he'll come and rescue me. So I want this to have a really good friendship so that he can come and rescue me because he can get there faster than the ambulance if he's home, I hope. So anyway, he doesn't, when someone's in need, he doesn't show up and look at that person and say, dude, you did this to yourself. This is, yes, this is an all-you-can-eat buffet and you're in the dessert section and you're dropped here on the ground having a heart attack and who are we going to blame for this? Genetics? No, you're eating too much. Stop. Sorry, man. I'm not going to help you. You did it to yourself. There's other people out there I can help. No, he doesn't do that. And we shouldn't show up and say, dude, you did this to yourself. You ruined your life. You, in this relationship, it's all, it's all bad. You got no one to blame but yourself. And, you know, you reap what you sow, right? It's in the Bible. So, uh, no, we don't do that. So let me give you a couple of examples of um, you know, rules of the world, rules that the church puts on people, don't handle, don't touch, don't touch, don't use that, by the way, when it comes to looking on things that are inappropriate on the internet. So don't say, well, you know, the Bible says we can do whatever we want, because that will mess up your mind and your intimacy life, okay? So there is a pastor of a really big church that has a great TV ministry and everything like that, and he does this, all these marriage training things and marriage seminars, and they've got a great marriage ministry and stuff, so he and his wife went out to see Fifty Shades of, I don't know what, Fifty Shades of something. And then they wrote this article about what a terrible way to live in a relationship and how abusive and how sad and hollow and what the Bible says about it and everything. It wrote this really helpful article that if you read it, you read it and go, I'm not going to go see the movie, but that really helps. And if I see anybody or talk to anybody that's talking about it, I'm going to be able to tell them, hey, you know what? 
that relationship that was in that movie, I didn't see it, but I read, that's not God's, God's will. That's not, you know, mutual, mutually edifying each other. That's not love. That's just taking stuff from each other. And so he had so many haters. People were leaving his church. People are like, I used to listen to your broadcast, never listening again. You have no business going to a movie like that. What's wrong with you? You know, you could have read someone else's review, blah, blah, blah. And they did all this stuff. And I'm like thinking, I don't want to ever see the movie, but I'm really glad he put that in there because I'm going to send that to some people that I know want to go see that. And so that's helpful. So we shouldn't lay down laws on people and keep them from doing stuff. There's another guy, totally wouldn't want his job. Some of the stuff that he says I find repulsive, but he runs a ministry and he has for quite a while. And he's also been a licensed Christian Missionary Alliance pastor, which is a group we're part of. And uh, so he's got this ministry called triplexchurch.com. And so they reach out to people in the porn industry, and they do all sorts of things I would never want to do, and they have conversations about things I would never want to talk about, and they even talk about things online that I don't feel comfortable talking about, but that is a real ministry, a huge ministry to address a problem that's outside the church and inside the church, and if you need to find help, xxxchurch.com might be a good place to look. I think there's some videos on Right Now Media, too, that are helpful, but Okay, so we don't want to dismiss his ministry because that's what God's got him doing. Do I want to do it? No. Do I agree with everything? No. But we shouldn't shut him down in legalism and evil and trapping rules. We need to live freely in Christ and let people serve the way God has called them to serve. So, all right. Amazing how fast time goes. I want to show you two video clips that are really helpful. One is from David Platt who wrote the book Radical, which was this list of things that you could do to live a radical life. And he talks about how not to be legalistic while living a radical life. And then another video from a mom who wrote a book about grace-based parenting that talks about how they talk about grace and keep their kids from legalism. There's no question that people could take this concept of radical or the book itself or whatever and begin to think, all right, well then I have to if I do these things, and I'll earn the favor of God. They can slip into a very, very dangerous legalism really, really quickly. And so this is where I want to be clear at every point. And the way I describe it sometimes is just one simple statement. The gospel that saves us from work saves us to work. And what I mean by that is there's two different kinds of work that we see talked about in the New Testament. One is a kind of work that we do in our own efforts to try to earn the favor of God, to earn righteousness before God, salvation before God, that is legalistic work. And we have been saved from that kind of work. When Paul talks about the, in, in Galatians, those who are saying we need to do these things, he says that's not the gospel in order to earn the favor of God. He says no, and, and we are. We're saved from that kind of work. There's nothing we can do to be righteous before God. Our best efforts. We can, we can give all our money away. We can go to the ends of the earth. We can go to the most dangerous place in the world. We can make all these sacrifices. But we are still sinful to the core of who we are. And only Jesus in that sense is radical enough. Only he has given enough. Only he has sacrificed enough. And so the radical life begins with a radical death, a death to ourself, a death to every attempt in our life to try to earn the favor of God, to acknowledge I can do nothing before him to earn his favor, and Christ has done everything necessary for me, and so I trust fully in him. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. So that's, we're saved from work to try to earn the favor of God. We're free from that. I'm free to rest in Christ. But then, okay, so resting in Christ and his work for us, 
the fruit of that, we're saved from the other kind of work. Now we're saved to work. The overflow of being in Christ is Christ's life in us. And now the beauty is he is working through us. To use language from Colossians chapter 1 or Philippians chapter 2, working out our salvation. He is doing this work in us. His energy so powerfully working in us. And as Christ is in us, we begin to see the world differently. We begin to, our hearts are changed. We begin to live totally differently. And we begin to work for the glory of God, not in a way to try to earn his favor, but as an overflow of faith in him, we begin to work with passion because this is the the fruit of the life of Christ in us. So this kind of work is good. This kind of work is the fruit of faith in Christ. And that's what, so when I'm talking about radical, that's the kind of work I'm after. Not the kind of work thinking, okay, well, I do these things, then I'm going to be, I'm going to be better before God. Oh, it misses the whole point of the gospel. So faith in the gospel drives this kind of work, just risk-taking, sacrifice-making. I want the glory of Christ to be made known in all nations. That's not in order to earn the favor of God. That's the overflow of faith in God. And so that's the kind of work that I want to be after. And that's what we're talking about when we talk about radical. I grew up in a, in a home that was, um, it was a very, very good home, um, but it was very rule-based. And um, when you grow up trying to follow the rules, you kind of turn into a little bit of a legalist without knowing it. And I grew up very legalistic and not even realizing how much of a legalist um, that I was. And everything was about following the rules and doing what's right. And I think it's because of, because of that, uh, because of both the church that I was raised in and also my personality and what I believed about, about God and about rules and about sin, I, uh, I didn't really understand grace. And um, I have two daughters now. They're 11 and 7, and they're growing up, and they're beautiful, and they're amazing, and I'm not perfect, and they're not perfect. But what I'm learning is that what's more important to teach them is that God is good and that God is gracious. It's hard sometimes to talk about parenting because it's like politics or education. Everybody's got their own their own way, their own right way, and some people can be very dogmatic and, and um, ab- about the way they raise their children. The way we have chosen to raise our children is that we, uh, we have rules and we have, we have guidelines, and, but we don't make a big deal out of things that are preferential. We, we want them to be moral and to be right and to be followers of Jesus. But when it comes to things that are outside of that, if it comes to something of preference or something of, 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 of simple choice, or, or maybe they'll, they might make a wrong choice, but they'll receive the real-world consequences from that, then we think that's okay. And so it's kind of gone into a little bit of um, our parent, like the whole trying to, to teach our kids grace has gone into our parenting style. One way that they can start trying to learn or somebody can start trying to learn that is to practice giving their spouse grace. Um, that can be really hard, especially if you have a if you have a spouse that that, needs, that you need to give a lot of grace to. But um, just by practicing it um, with our spouses, also practice, practicing giving grace to our female friends as women, I think we often have trouble with that. We often, um, it's easy to give grace to other people. It's easy to give grace to um, people that we don't know, to somebody on the freeway, to someone you know walking down the street or at our child's school. But it's really hard to give our, our women, our the women in our life, grace. And I believe that legalism is a form of self-perfectionism. And um, it's, it's, it's something that, um, that shouldn't be in our lives. I think that Jesus came to kind of topple that. But another way that we can teach our kids about grace is to um, 
practice it in our own lives by forgiving people even when there isn't repentance. Um, Jesus didn't ask us to forgive others only when they've said sorry or only when they've stopped doing something. Jesus asked us to forgive. He asked us to forgive and to love and to love and to lead with that love and to lead with that grace. And I believe that um, that's the life he lived and that um, it's something that we need to model ourselves. All right, so are you living the law or license or love? So when I was in high school, I saw people that were Christians. Uh, my grandparents were part of the Independent Baptist group, and they looked so, so Christian, so holy, so right. They had short hair. They wore suits. They carried their King James Bibles. They lived a list of rules. Girls wore skirts or culottes, and they did all these things. And then my grandparents helped me to go to a school of their choice that they'd pay for, all-expense-paid trip to two different Independent Baptist schools. One was great and tolerable, and the other one was extremely legalistic and everything. And I tried to live the list. And I, after I was there for a while, I'd start to look around and I'd go, oh, that girl's short, that girl's skirt is too short. She must not be a godly girl. Or that guy's hair is a ears. He must not be living for Christ. And they had all these rules and guidelines. They're still in existence. They have about half as many students as they used to at that time. But so I lived in that for a while. And then when I got out of there, I was so sick of living the list, so unsatisfied following Christ. It seemed so impossible that I rebelled against God and tried to do everything for a period of time that was on the list that I wasn't supposed to do, which totally brought regret, dissatisfaction, and then I recommitted my life to Christ, came back to Christ, and built my faith on what God's Word says, not on people's lists. And it's really easy for us to get caught up in legalistic lists. It's really easy for us to become ineffective sharing the gospel because we're constantly judging people, pushing them away. So I'm out of time, but I want to pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much that you've given us this opportunity to serve you. Jesus, you are friends of publicans and sinners, of tax collectors, and all these people that were unworthy, Lord, and we need to be friends with people like that too. We need to know who we are in Christ and what you offer so that we can lead them into a right relationship with Christ, but not to cut them off or to disassociate with them or push them away because they haven't measured up yet to our standards. So Lord, I pray you'd help us not to be legalistic, but that we would be free in Christ, free to serve, free to minister, free to live, and free to enjoy the things that you've put before us, and that we would do your will and rescue many lost sinners from hell and give them a new life in Christ. So use us for that, Lord, and help us to deal with legalistic ideas and rule following. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to a message from River Rock Church. River Rock Church exists to help people of all ages connect to Christ and live well lives. W stands for worshiping, E for encouraging, L for learning, and L for loving. God wants you to be well. We meet 10 a.m. Sundays at Chatfield Elementary School on 330 South Market Street in Belle Plaine, Minnesota. Visit riverrockchurch.com for our latest news and to access resources to help you and the people you care about live well lives.